Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie. I'm here with my two good friends, Alex and Rahul. But guys, today, against all odds, we have a very special guest, Feroz17. Feroz, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Really excited to do this. No, we're excited to have you. You're yeah. sort of a legend in the social media world, or maybe I'll say the the early days of social media, and I'll share a little story very quickly here. Uh, Rahul and I actually grew up in Ghana, West Africa, and back then I think the easiest way to stay connected with Chelsea was to watch YouTube videos online about what was going on, and we would look up for things on the new players, transfers, and one way or the other, your videos would always show up for us. And so in some way we feel connected. So this is a long time coming. And like Rahul said, against all odds here. So I'll pass it over to him so we can get started. Rahul, over to you. Yeah, that, that was that was a good story. And, and welcome, Feroz. We've been talking for a while, but I'm glad we could uh, get you on. So today, officially, we've seen our club, uh, the sale process being completed uh, with the media reporting that it might not happen. Everything has gone through and, and we're finally under a new era, the Todd Bowley Group era. Uh, so just wanted to get your reactions to it uh, and what you look forward to, I guess, as we start uh, a new era here. No, for sure. Um, you know, obviously, when the whole thing with the sanctions happened, it was a really sad moment for all of us. And Bully, when his name came up initially, a lot of people in the beginning, I feel like, we're not too pleased with anyone but for me once uh, I started reading more about him and how interested he was and he tried to buy the club twice um, and the things he's been saying the things he's been doing to get this finally like done I'm just glad it's finally over with and I'm sure we're in good hands absolutely I, th- I think we kind of share the sentiment with you where his name first came up I think he initially wanted to buy the club three or four seasons ago and Um, obviously back then no one wanted to see Roman go actually I I think I speak for all of us we never really wanted to see him go but obviously things have changed over the last Mm -hmm. few months Uh, but yeah absolutely look forward to what he can do Boley can do for us and and, uh, how we can move forward under him Alex you want to touch maybe on on the Roman era and and Feroz's thoughts on that yeah I mean obviously it was I think a bit of an abrupt a more abrupt end than people expected. He'd obviously been sanctioned before, or I, I don't know if you call it sanctioned, he'd been denied entry to the country before. So I think maybe Chelsea fans didn't necessarily see it coming, but saw the warning signs. Um, were you taken by surprise at, at Roman's abrupt departure? And what are your feelings? Uh, does it leave you with bittersweet feelings? Do you feel like it's a, a chapter well-closed or, or what's your reaction to that? Well, it's um, that's a really good question. It's it's sort of tricky because when uh, we won the Champions League in 2012, um, during the celebrations, a lot of people were sort of like zooming in and focusing on, on his son as well, who was, I think, um, I speak for a lot of Chelsea fans, um, he was really interested eventually to take over. So no one saw this coming, if you think about it, like at the beginning of the season. Uh, because he, despite like how initially people are like, oh, he, he's going to get bored of the club in a few years now. But like the way he managed the club, the way how everything was going about, I feel like it came sort of like a shock to us because it just happened midway out of nowhere, you know. So it's a really tricky scenario because it doesn't happen where 
someone doesn't want to sell the club and he has to sell the club. So it's one of those things which was really, really bizarre. Uh, however, um, just seeing everything from a global perspective, uh, you know, I'm just glad that thing is finally done. But we all got to appreciate it because not just in like um, football slash soccer, but I think in sports, he was arguably the greatest owner ever. Yeah, it was absolutely kind of just odd in a, in a good way, seeing how he really put the club first, whereas you mm-hmm. had these other uh, owners of big, big clubs who were just sucking money out of them and, and running it like a business. You could tell he actually cared about the club, about the game, and that's something you don't always get. So fingers crossed that that continues in the bully era, and we have owners mm-hmm. who similarly appreciate the game and the club for their respective histories as opposed to just as a cash cow like many owners yeah absolutely and um for us while we're still talking about roman i know you're friends or or close to some of the the former players or the players that were under the the roman era so uh, i might put you in a tough spot here but is there one that sticks close to your heart and i know uh, a few names that obviously have been at the club longer than uh, before Roman came in, but someone that, you know, a player or, or even a manager in, in this case, someone that just sticks close to your heart from the Roman era? Ooh, I would, I mean, I, I'm going to say John Terry, okay? <laughs> um, however, it's, 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 you know what, I, I'll change my answer, uh, even though, like, it's personally, I would say JT, but like Grappa, just because of how like we signed him and how he right. initially was sort of like hesitant and the whole story of how Jose was like, no, I don't want Ronaldinho, I want Grappa. Uh, and Roman was like, um, I'm not sure who that is, but okay, I'll, I'll back you. And the rest is history, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think Drogba is a name that I think all four of us would share, but um, JT is obviously one that sticks out too. And, and I know yeah. I, was, I was alluding to it, but you brought it up. So yes, yeah, definitely. And I know you guys are close and, and you actually just saw him in uh, Abu Dhabi for the club world cup, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, like we, we keep in touch and he also like, unfortunately gets a lot of stick, but when like former players publicly keep talking about Roman Abramovich, even though like now, in a in a weird way, like someone not even related to the club, anymore obviously JT still works for Chelsea but a lot of former players were like so like outspoken saying hey you know what like this owner everyone should appreciate him obviously people can have their sentiments regarding other things but as a sports owner he just didn't didn't do much wrong yeah I I think you're right and and often we felt like why are we letting this manager go why are we letting things change so fast, but he always did it with the interests of the club at heart and letting us mm-hmm. succeed. And you can see that over the last 20 years or so, the trophies that came in and, and how Chelsea elevated in, in European football. I think that was his goal. And he leaves us in a place where we now become the, the most expensive sports franchise or team in the world. Uh, so not a bad place to be, but let's come into this season. Uh, Jackie, I'll pass it back to you for uh, the end of season review. Uh, maybe we'll go back and start back in August when the season started. Yeah, just before I kick off the end of season, I hope JT doesn't listen so he heard that you betrayed him for Drogba over there. But we'll let that one, <laughs> we'll let that one slide for uh, now. <laughs> no, listen, let's nah, talk. Go ahead. I, I just want to end it. it. It's like the most appropriate thing as yeah. to how Roman, Roman Abramovich's last trophy 
was us becoming the champions of the world. I think that just was like the pinnacle and the best way to end it, you know? Just like how Drogba ended his like proper time at Chelsea where he came back for yep. another stint, but this proper time by making us champions of Europe, right? I just like love these endings, right? Well said. And I think it's a trophy that we've wanted as Chelsea fans and the club does as well to be champions of the world. So lovely way to end that. Well said. But let's talk about the season in a whole. It's been a, it's been an interesting campaign, guys. Like we've already touched on a few things with ownership changes, new players coming in, different things like that. But like Rahul said, we'll take it back to the beginning of August. And it starts with silverware, guys. Not a bad way to start the beginning of the season, but the campaign sees us play Villarreal in the Super Cup final. And Another name that's familiar here, Kepa, steps up for a crucial penalty save in this shootout. And Feroz, I'll start with you and I'll bring it back to my guys over here. What did you make of the Super Cup? I think it's another one we've been chasing for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Like, uh, it brings back bad memories with Falcao and all. <laughs> and the Bayern, Munich, like, the Bayern Munich games and stuff, of course. Um, it's one of those trophies that we wanted. Uh, and I'm glad, like, we got it recently, uh, you know. And Kepa, like, uh, sure, he's gotten a lot of stick, and yep. initially he sort of did well in, the first, in his first season at Chelsea, but it just was really, really um, amazing how, like, he was, like, sort of, like, the hero. Yeah. And which is why I always, like, no matter what people say about, like, Wendy and shootouts and how he should have come on later on in the season, but I'm just glad that happened, and I'm glad he had his moment. Yeah, absolutely. And it's another trophy to add to the cabinet. Like we've said, it's just yeah. something that we've been chasing. Rahul, I'll come to you before I go to Alex. We've discussed this gentleman on the podcast, but like I said, another trophy to add, Kepa putting up a good performance, given like Feroz said, he's had some tough times in the Chelsea shirt. Yeah, I, I agree with Feroz. I think Kepa deserved that moment and, and really needed it in a sense because uh, Mendy had come in, replaced him. Yes, Kepa worked his way back towards the end of that season under Tuchel, but this was kind of the moment where he announced and said, I'm starting this season like I, I mean to go on. And, and it was good for him. Things didn't work out a little bit uh, later on in the season, but at least where we were in August, I, it was all positive and, and well in, in Kepa versus the Mendy department. And Alex, I think it goes back to the early days at Chelsea when we had two solid goalkeepers as a number one and a number two. And so you can close your eyes and get any one of them to the team and feel confident and I think Kepa held his hat really well on that situation, right? Yeah, I I always honestly have been a bit of a defender and advocate of Kepa yeah. because I think with his price tag and a, a little rough patch where he made a few errors, I think he quickly turned from um, being fairly judged for, for being a hefty transfer to being quite underrated because people yeah. thought he... His ability had left him and his confidence maybe had left for a little bit, but he really came back and showed his value, especially um, later in the season as Mendy went to AFCON. I mean, yeah, he was making consistent one V one stops. He was, he was stopping great shots from everywhere in the box, outside the box. I really saw a much improved goalkeeper there. And I think if, if you can look beyond the price tag and, and forget the fact that, due to someone who maybe we'll, uh, we'll discuss later, uh, a certain uh, reptile, or snakes, reptiles. Um, but due to a certain someone, we were forced into that, that high-profile buy uh, of Kepa at the last second. But I think he has really turned his Chelsea legacy around after getting some serious stick. And I've got great respect and appreciation for the way that he's really pushed through and become a very reliable second option for us. 
Yeah, lovely words from you guys about Kepa. And I think all Chelsea fans have seen him go through the ups and downs. But this season in particular, he really has shown he's a true blue. No complaints from what I've heard throughout him sitting on the bench. He's just worked really hard to get back into the team. But let's move on from the Super Cup. Let's talk about the first day, opening day of the season. And I'm going to move and talk about one person here in general. For Rose, I'll come to you. Trevor Chaloba. He is a gentleman that broke into the squad. In fact, I think he was supposed to go on loan or maybe even transfer out. But Tuchel saw something in him. And on the first day of the season, he scores his first goal for Chelsea. It's senior goal, of course. And from there, it seems to be like a fairy tale. Another youth player coming through. What are your thoughts of Trevor Trelloba and his season so far? Well, I think he's uh, he's been really good. You know, just given the circumstances and stuff, the fact that he's uh, stepped it up and just like, you know, I guess his brother in the past, um, who sort of like was coming from the academy, he's uh, he's done really well, yeah. and it's it's sort of tough like to maintain that level because people forget, right? We were champions of Europe uh, just like last year, and our defenders have experience. And the fact that he was just playing like one of them and like next to Thiago Silva, just like you don't yeah. even know. Later on, sure, like he had his moments just like everyone else, but he has been phenomenal in my opinion. He sort of reminded me of Tamori, you know? Yeah, and you know, I think, and I don't I don't speak for all Chelsea fans, but I wonder if Chelsea as a club saw Chaloba's development and said maybe there's some value here to letting Tamori go, bring Chaloba through. I don't know, but well said. I think that's a good thing. Alex, I'll come back to you for a quick second. You've praised Chaloba quite a bit this season. Anything else you want to add about Chaloba? I definitely, I definitely do enjoy seeing his his rise that he's had and and it really does reflect a lot of these stories we've seen with Chelsea starting obviously with some of those um some of those legends who I mean Faroz was mentioning earlier these the the JTs and and these players who come through um they're Chelsea Chelsea born and raised if you will um and they just bleed blue from the beginning you love being able to see a player who really understands the club who's been brought up um, in that system, get a good chance. And I think he 100% has stepped up this year, as have a few players. Um, not perfect, and that's that's fine. That's that's okay, because he's young, he's developing. And I think absolutely the experience he's gotten next to some world-class center backs yeah. is going to be huge in continuing to develop him as a player. So really excited to see where things go with him, um, and hopefully he keeps that trajectory up. Yeah, and as a Chelsea fan, I love to see the Chelsea boys through and through make it into the first team. And if they can learn from some of the senior players like Thiago and Rudiger, who's unfortunately moving on, there's all value there. But Rahul, I'll come to you. The early part of the season, 12 matches unbeaten in all competitions. I'll single out two particular matches here. Let's talk about one in the Premier League. 7-0 against Norwich. It was our biggest win of the season. Mason Mount scoring a hat-trick in that particular situation. And then a 4-0 dismantling of Juventus, which I couldn't have predicted, but it was a wonderful day to watch. Uh, share your thoughts on those two, and maybe we'll take a little bit of a segue and talk about player of the season here, because Mason Mount has to be a shout in there as well. Yeah, I mean, that early part of the season, everything seemed to be going in the right direction. Lukaku had come in and was banging in the goals to get picked up an injury right before the North City game. But Kai Havertz steps in. Mason Mount, like you said, scores a hat trick. Uh, the Juventus one, I think, is the one that's more sticks out a little bit more because you kind of expect to beat North City, but Juventus, a powerhouse in, in European football, coming to the bridge on a, on a I think a Wednesday or Tuesday night, was always going to be a tough game, and we needed, I think, a result in that game to maybe maintain a top spot. And four nil, and I think that might have been the pinnacle of in terms of 
the best performance because we had Reese James on one side, we had Chol on the other side, we were flying down the flanks, we had goals from the middle, and obviously all of that ended with the Chilwell injury in that game, uh, which kind of led to some of the other things that happened later on in the season. But I think up until that point, we were seeing total Tuchel football, like we've pointed out uh, in the past, and uh, the injury in that game really halted us. But coming to Mason Mount, I think not only in that game or, or the other game against Juventus, I think all season long, we've seen the importance of Mason Mount to the squad. Yes, there were chances in the Carabao Cup final and the FA Cup final, but you see what he brings to that attack, to the midfield and to the team overall. And he is Chelsea, like we were talking about Chelsea, but he is Chelsea, he bleeds Chelsea, he eats Chelsea, he sleeps Chelsea. Uh, and so I think player of the season was very well deserved for a second year in a row for a guy that is maybe in his third full season in the Premier League. It's not a bad way to, to kick things off. And I know he's hungry for some domestic success, uh, so obviously that's the next step, but yeah, absolutely. I think Mason Mount up there, but for me, maybe Thiago Silva was a close runner up or even first choice for player of the season. No, good shouts there. I'll bring it to you for Rose. Is it Mason Mount? Is it Thiago Silva? Maybe Antonio Rudiger, if he was staying, he had a great season as well. Or is there someone else you'd like to give a mention to? I, um, I have to give a big shout out to Reese. I think yeah. for me, he is arguably our best player um, because just like, you can clearly see when he was injured, like how much we missed him. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, if he would have taken our chances, he would have probably like hit more numbers and assists and stuff. But like Reese, Reese is just phenomenal. But Mace, Mace is also obviously, for me, like, uh, he, uh, this is so tricky because I love both <laughs> of these guys. And uh, unfortunately, for some stupid reason, at times he gets sick. But like he, he just does everything right. Um and, and like I think a lot of people forget how important he has been for Chelsea. Uh, you know, like the whole Champions League final assist as well. He creates, he scores, he is Chelsea as you said. So I I, I think if it wasn't for Reese's injury, Reese would have probably won it. But Mace, yeah, Mace deserved it, I guess. No, good shout out for Reese there. I think on this podcast we have some big fans of Reese James. Alex and Rahul mm-hmm. have defended him all season long, but we also agree the stick that Mason gets is it's uncomprehensible don't understand where it comes from but you know some fans always going to be that but Alex I'll come to you and talk about you know we've talked about all these these wins unbeaten we were top of the table at one point did you have some feeling in your heart that we could maybe go on to win this Premier League now we know how the season ended but at this point did you have any feeling that we could go on to win the Premier League I mean, maybe in hindsight, obviously being 2020, you, you could call it foolish, but I, I did have, have a hope at that point. I mean, I didn't, obviously when you have the likes of, of Guardiola and Klopp and their fine-tuned squads who have been at a crazy level for the past few years, you know it won't be easy and it's nowhere near a guarantee. Um, and I think we Chelsea fans enjoy uh, sometimes – uh, having a laugh at some of our, our noisy neighbors who celebrate being top of the table very early in the season. So I, I, I won't, I won't say that I was, I was celebrating it saying we've won the league. I did think uh, there was a chance we could pull through because we do have a quality squad. And I think unfortunate injuries maybe derailed that sort of title push, but even, even with a few knocks to our first 11, we do have quality players. Um, and unfortunately, I think it really was just a bit of a buildup of factors 
um, in fatigue and injuries and uh, a, a certain uh, interview, we will uh, call it, um, oh. the ownership crisis. There were just a lot of things, I think, that built up and really uh, halted our momentum this season. But we've got the quality, and I think, I think we are always contenders, um, certainly at the outset of a season, and there, uh, a good ways into it, it was looking very good. So I, I did have some hopes. Unfortunately, uh, didn't quite pan out, but I believe – I believe in the quality of our squad and above all, really Thomas Tuchel uh, to navigate us through these, these tough times for sure. Yeah. I'm going to ask for his opinion on Thomas Tuchel for He won us the champions league in its first season, first half season, I'll say. And his second season, while we were finishing third, we did have a decent season overall. I must say, in my opinion, of course, what are your thoughts of him? How do you make of him as a manager? Do you like his style? Do you see him staying with Chelsea for the foreseeable future? I think it's a match made in heaven. Um, you know, Chelsea needed him. He needed Chelsea. It just worked out perfectly. Yeah. When Lampard left, a lot of people were devastated. They were like, okay, here we go again. Yeah. Not backing a manager, but it just worked out perfectly. And just the style of play. Uh, defensively, you're solid. You know, what he did to Rudiger. I don't think, like, people are talking about it enough. He made him arguably, like, the best center back in the world up there yeah. with Van Dijk. And whatnot, and just like the confidence he got in a lot of these players, he took Mace to another level. Uh, same with Reese. Um, you know, I just I just love Tuchel, and I'm so excited. Like Bowley and everyone is backing him. You know, yeah. I think when he gets time, um, he is gonna get us more trophies without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And I want you to keep that in your mind because towards the end of the segment, we'll talk about what next season should look like in your opinion. Mm -hmm. But Rahul, I want to pass it over to you. I've taken the highs of the first half of the season. Maybe you can take us through the December blues and some of the lows that we've gone through. I see what you did there. You stick me with the, the <laughs> tough times. Uh, but you touched on it, December blues, guys. I, it's it's a joke, but it's actually something that kind of happens consistently and pretty often with Chelsea, unless we're on a, on a title charge where we kind of seem to navigate the December blues. And I'm actually happy this year we won't have that because of the World Cup. But coming back to last season, uh, Feroz, this December blues is there. What do you think is the issue? Because it just seems like every time it comes around the holiday period, Chelsea seem to start shaking up and, and something just goes wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just a bad coincidence. <laughs> but, you know, like this, this season was really, really bizarre. Um, you know, when we just stop and analyze everything, it, it's not been too bad, but a lot of stupid things were said by a uh, certain someone, which didn't help, <laughs> um, and other injuries and all. It just, like, made it a lot worse for us. However, I think, um, you know, the fact that you mentioned, like, this, uh, this coming season, the World Cup will be there, so that's good. Hopefully, like, after that, we just forget about it. And it's in the players' minds when, like, things go wrong the first week or two. But when it happened the entire month, we were like, okay, oh, maybe maybe there might be something in it, but I'm just going to say coincidence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't lose that many. I think we only lost one game. Yeah. Or, uh -huh. or in maybe yeah, just one game against West Ham. But it was just the draws yeah. and not being getting getting uh, over the line that really cost us and and knocked us off the top of the table. Uh, Alex, we've mm -hmm. touched on it. Uh, Feroz just touched on it too. The injuries to Reese James and Ben Chilwell. If those two Ooh. stayed fit, obviously with Ben, it was pretty much towards the end of the season. He finally just made an appearance. 
but if those two stay fit, or even if it's short-term injuries in terms of both of them, do you think we come back a little bit stronger from this December period, or uh, those two are the key kind of aspects of, of what we play and how we play on the two goals? So it was once those two were down, it always seemed like it was always going to be a shaky ride. Yeah, no, I definitely think I definitely think it it could have been better if we hadn't had two absolutely critical pieces of our team out because honestly it, it sounds dumb it sounds biased it sounds like an exaggeration I would argue at the times they got injured there were not really many better wingbacks in the world I would say it wasn't an exaggeration to say we had the best wingback pairing in the world um, call it a fullback pairing call it whatever you want I mean Reese was matching Trent goal for goal assist for assist he was popping off. And then you had on the other side, Chilwell coming into really the best form we've seen him in at Chelsea. So it, that was absolutely a blow. And it was really just bizarre, terrible luck to lose both of them because even with one of them fit for a long period of time, we may have fared better, but suddenly it, it really crippled a central part of Tuchel's uh, game plan, the way he likes to play and of our, both attack and defense, because both of them are really impressively balanced players uh, going forward and defending as well. So totally, totally could have been better. Um, but uh, you, you can't obsess over the past. It is what it is. And the good news is both of them have come back looking like they're healthy and hungry. Um, Reese came back quite well. Um, we always knew the quality he had and Chilwell, luckily, just at the end of the season here has been able to uh, be out and training fully and, and getting a couple minutes. So all, all I'm doing now is looking forward and crossing my fingers that they get back to those levels because they were absolutely world-class. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say at that point when they got injured. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can't agree with you more. Jackie, when we started the season, Ben Chol wasn't in the squad. And obviously that was based on the fact that he hadn't played much for England over the summer. And so Tuchel was kind of letting him get fit again and come back. When he finally came back, they, you could see the difference. And, and it's not, don't, no disrespect to Alonso, but you could see the difference that Ben Cholo makes to the squad. Uh, and then you could see it when he was out of the squad. Going into next season, do you think we have a more solid backup to Ben Cholo? Because we do need someone that can challenge him in, in terms of not only the attacking, but also the defending. Yeah, I don't think we do. I think looking at maybe Marcus Alonso, who we're hearing rumors about maybe moving on. And if you want to call Emerson Palmieri back, maybe he might be able to do the job. He's done well in the past for us in certain uh, games, in certain places. He does fit that wingback mold. So if he comes back, maybe he's a good fit. But I think Ben Chilwell is, as Alex has alluded to, on another level. And you, you've got to sit back and say Chelsea paid a lot of money for him. And yes, we sit here and we say, yep, he's English. And so there's an English tax. I don't believe in that. I really do believe that he was up there as a top left back slash left wing back. And you guys have alluded to it. He's performed every time he didn't get the initial call up with, with Tuchel because he didn't play or whatever. But I think that was a little nudge from Tuchel saying, you're not match fit. Show me your match fit. And boy, when he came back, he was extremely, I mean, he was getting goals, assists, defending, like Alex said, coming back. And so he's one that's hard to find a solid backup to Rahul. And that's what's going to be tough. So if Palmieri comes in and he's happy and he can do the job, I think at least that's a good start. With Alonso, I think we lack a little bit of the defensive side of the house. Yeah, and, and I think Everson, in all fairness, if he's given the chance, could do the job, and we haven't really seen him play that position consistently. And so uh, next season might be that opportunity. 
But Firoz, you alluded to it, alluded to it, and so did Alex. The Lukaku saga and that interview that happened in this December time period. What did you make of it? Your reactions? I'm sure you were pretty upset with the way it went down. Uh, but since then, mm. having maybe six months on from then and seeing how the rest of the season played out for him, what have you made of it? And the second part of the question is, what do you do with him this summer? Mm. This was one of the most bizarre things, <laughs> like in football, because when he joined the club, uh, just listening to his like podcast that he did with Josh Hart and other things and his interviews he's given, like he was just so smart, intelligent, intellectual. Like you can tell, like there was something in it which makes me go, like, okay, you know what? Maybe he's a really smart player who's like killing it in Syria, coming back home. You could say. So I was like really excited for him. Came in, started scoring goals. And then I was on Twitter. I remember just browsing and scrolling. And then I see a few quotes. I'm like, okay, this has to be sort of lost in translation or something. Because there's no way this is happening. Because I think this came out right when he scored a goal or two. Um, right, against Villa. And then, yes, 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 against Villa. And I'm like, well, he just got back from injury and then he did that. And I was still giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, okay, you know what? Let, let me just wait a day and see what all has come out and maybe just see the video itself. And of course, there was true. Uh, the only thing that sort of made me go like, dear God, was the fact that the interview was like a, a month old. Um, so they released it in this, like intentionally at that time when he was starting to do well. But it was so bizarre, as I stated, because he burned bridges with, Chelsea at that time. He burned bridges with Inter because Inter fans also did not like the interview. And his agent, it just, no one was benefiting from it. Not even look like, it just makes no sense whatsoever. And where do, where do I see, like, what do I see in his future? Um, I think he is going to leave. However, if he stays, he has my full backing. But if I were him, I would just go like, you know what? Um, I don't mind going to Bayern and being Lewandowski's replacement because he can score goals over there with, you know, get European football and be the number one striker inter. I don't know, but it's just, uh, you know, this, this, this really frustrates me, you know, because (laughs) he was scoring initially the first two, three months and he was doing really well. And he worked so hard to make the transfer happen. And when it did happen, it just went so bad. It's sad, you know, it's sad he shot himself in his own foot. Yeah, I was going to bring up that terminology too. Alex, shooting yourself into, into your own foot. Lukaku, I mean, you've, we've, we've spoken about it when it actually happened first, but since then, similar question to you since the last six months. It's just kind of, you think it's weighing on his mind and it's something that is only going to go off if he leaves? Or do you think he can put it to bed this summer and come back in a Chelsea shirt and, and do what he was brought in to do, which was score the goals? I think, I mean, maybe I'm a little too optimistic, but I think hopefully at this point, I mean, it's pretty far back, honestly, in my memory too. I know it was, as Faroe said, just disappointing on all levels and helped nobody. He wasn't even helped because the Inter fans then like put up a banner instantly that basically said, screw you, we don't want you back. Um, it, it was really just, just dumb, bad timing, everything. But at the same time, we paid a crazy amount of money for him. We know he has a very, very high quality when he's he's firing and, and fit and in form. 
Um, I think at this point, it's in everyone's best interest to say, okay, well, little rocky start, readjustment to the Prem, that god-awful interview, but he's still a top striker. He's still a Chelsea player. He's still a big asset to us. And I think ultimately we can't afford to let those little issues and, and disputes start to, to tear holes in the team. I think hopefully if the, as long as the teammates seem to be getting along with him, and I don't think he seems to be causing luckily like any dressing room issues. That was one thing I was happy with. Cause I know you hear all the time about, I mean, maybe a team like PSG or something, you've got egos clashing and one little one player who's unhappy can bring down the locker room and split camps. But luckily I think, I think the teammates have sort of moved on. If, if his players and fellow players and his coach have moved on, I think it's only right that we as Chelsea fans look past it and say, okay, he's still a world-class striker on his day. Let's hope to get him firing again, because we're going to need all the weapons we can get next season. If we're hoping to mount another, another challenge of some of the uh, really high quality competition we have in the Prem. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you a little bit, just on the on the fact that, takes about a season for players to adjust to the Premier League. Yes, Lukaku had played in the Premier League for a number of years, but even coming back, fitting into Chelsea, not having the preseason, I think if he gets all of those things and, and learns to play with some of the guys that he's his teammates with, you never know what we may get next season. And, of course, to compete with the likes of Liverpool and Man City, you need players that have goals in them. So if he doesn't, doesn't leave, then obviously, like Ferro said, we'll all back him. But let's move on to some happier times. Uh, and I know Feroz was out there in Abu Dhabi, but we headed out there for the Club World Cup. Uh, again, sour memories from the first time around uh, in 2012, where we made it to the final, but we lost. But this time around, uh, under Tuchel, the expectations were we would land this trophy, and we did. But Feroz, before we get into the tournament, you headed out there. I think it was a last-minute decision, but you did go out there. Yeah. How was your time out there? The fans, the atmosphere, the tournament overall, uh, and... What can you share with us? Oh, yeah, it was incredible. Uh, I was supposed to go there, like, apply my career way before, and then I canceled it. And then last minute, I think I was communicating with you. Yeah. Because uh, we were going to get a podcast done or something. And then I flew out there, and it was one of the best times ever. The fans just enjoyed it. The only weird thing was right before I flew, Tuco got COVID. So I'm like, oh, here right. we go, you know. And they were really strict there. The bubble was really strict. But overall, the vibes were amazing because Chilwell, uh, surprised everyone he just randomly showed up to the hotel and everyone was like whoa where did this come from so that was really good for the morale um reese was injured but he was there too like recovering so it was it was really good and then of course mendy eventually returned as right. a winner um and then tuchel also showed up from like uh you know his recovery after a few days from covid so everyone came one by one and like just surprised the squad and that was a really nice element and yeah, and of course, at the end, we won the Club World Cup, which was amazing, right? And Kai being the hero, Lukaku was bringing the goals too. So it was, it was a really it was a really good time over there. Yeah, it, and it definitely looked like it was uh, from your Instagram stories and um, yeah. from, from the stories of Chelsea. But uh, Alex, the Club World Cup, something that we hadn't won, we finally won it. A fitting way, I guess, like Feroz was saying earlier, for the Roman era to end by winning everything possible that we could have. Um, but happier times and I know a lot was made at least here in the States that this trophy wasn't big enough but Chelsea celebrated like it was the Champions League um, <laughs> your thoughts on just winning this trophy and um, now it being one of the two trophies we ended up with this season 
what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really buy into the idea of like it being a, a lesser trophy or something. It's the, the, what you had to do to qualify for it. I mean, that, that alone makes it impressive. I think it's, it's great to have in the cabinet 100% wrapped up the Roman era on a nice kind of full circle note. Um, and for me, it, it's, it's good. I'm glad we celebrated it. I'm glad we've got it on lock. Um, I mean, I won't be, I won't be flexing it maybe in, uh, on Twitter or anything, uh, in, in debates, but it's the kind of thing that, you know, there are plenty of clubs who don't have that. So I'm glad to have it. I think, I think it was great that we were able to win that final, especially, uh, with some of the, the bad luck we had in finals then down the line. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no no better way uh, to to end off the the Roman era than by really finishing it up and, and winning everything there is to win. So definitely happy with it. And hopefully, though, next season uh, we move on and and start bringing in more silverware because I don't want to be uh, living off this trophy forever as some of our rival clubs perhaps would do. I'm not here to milk this. So you mean say you wouldn't have an open top bus parade for for this trophy? <laughs> I, I might not. I might not. Uh, fair enough, Jackie. Your thoughts on the Club World Cup, and then let's move on to maybe not so happy times with the Carabao Cup. Yeah, no. Look, the World Club Cup 2012 was in Japan, and so for me, I remember the time difference was tough to get up and watch that, but I did it anyway. And so losing was it was a tough one to take because. We had come off a high. It was an amazing season. We wanted to add that silverware and, you know, losing out on it while you guys have mentioned, it's not that cup that everybody's prestigious and it's the champions league, but it was a cup. It was a cup nonetheless. And to get there and the work we had put in to get there was something that we, I'd wanted to win it. I wanted to see Chelsea lifted. And so it's been a long time coming. Like I've not missed it. Like I missed the champions league, but coming back to see it was unbelievable. It just shows that we are, improving our status on the world stage i think people forget that this is televised to thousands and thousands of people across multiple countries and a lot of people in south america actually look forward to this they train very hard for this particular uh, cup and so we have some viewership there which is great to just elevate the brand so for me absolutely exciting love that we could win it kai havertz doing it in the way that he did just about a year ago so it was a fun time overall and i was excited to see how it went down Absolutely. And you don't get a, a, a badge for any other trophy than, than the Club World Cup. Yeah. So <laughs> it's clearly an important one. But coming to the Carabao Cup final, guys, we're still here in February. Uh, we went into that game, obviously, on the high of, of the, the Club World Cup. Arguably, the better team comes down to one penalty miss, the 22nd penalty miss in, in, in the crazy game. Uh, Feroz, your reaction to that with obviously Kepa missing, but uh, on another day, on another night, there's a trophy that another trophy that comes home. Yep. Well, I mean, like Lukaku was on site. <laughs> Lukaku was on site for that. You know, I, I, I keep saying this. He was on site. Unfortunately, that was a crazy shootout because, you know, like the whole thing was repeating itself. And then Kepa, unfortunately, does that. It's sort of like, sort of hurts us a bit. And I still don't mind him being there instead of Mendy, because overall, from what I have heard and what everyone has said, he is a better um, saver when it comes to shootouts. That's what everyone has, like, said this. And, you know, unfortunately, he just needed that bit of luck and he didn't get that. It's it's a shootout. And, you know, 
it, it happens, I guess, right? It does. And I actually was going to ask you about your thoughts on maybe bringing yeah. Kepa on in hindsight and all of that. But I think you're right. In the moment, it felt like the right decision to make. And uh, again, it comes down to luck and getting your fingertips on the ball and saving it. And, and maybe then he scores it and we win it. But it wasn't to be. Uh, Alex, we back then, and, and I think even with the FA Cup, this FA Cup final more recently, a lot was made of Pulisic. And, and I know you have the biggest fan account for Pulisic, so I'm, I'm coming to you. But what are your thoughts on Pulisic this season? And, and maybe more recently, we've seen some Instagram posts taken down, obviously, for the abuse that he's still getting. Uh, just your thoughts on him and where do you see him maybe next year? And is he staying? Is he going? His dad's put out a few tweets. Uh, just your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think, obviously, I, I come from a position of a little bias being American and running a Pulisic fan page for several years now. But I I definitely think he's underrated by a good segment of Chelsea fans. Um, I don't know if I want to say it's because he's American, though I think that that does play into the mind, certainly, of of some British fans. Um, I do think he's held to a higher standard than some other players because I see calls for him to be sold and because he's maybe, they say he's not consistent enough. Sure. He, this has not been, I don't think a, an outstanding season for him, but then I would, I would ask which of our attackers were consistent this season. I mean, Mason Mount may be the best shout, um, in, in that he really did pull through for us on, on several occasions, uh, throughout the year but at the same time even he missed some admittedly golden chances in in the finals um, and in that care about cup final uh, I remember just watching Pulisic himself feed a couple beautiful balls to Mason Mount unfortunately couldn't quite keep him on target and that's that's where I just sort of try to detach myself from from fans who become a little reactionary because it's it's as simple i mean we've seen christian Pulisic, for example um the prior season we've seen him dismantle real madrid and be absolutely crucial in our in our run um to get to he he pulled a man of the match versus porto um dismantled real madrid in the semis and was crucial to us ultimately winning the champions league so we've seen him perform i mean even this season we saw him with a great equalizer against liverpool he has performed on big stages for us before um, as has Mason Mount, Mason Mount with that, that beautiful assist in the Champions League final. People just get a little too caught up in the emotion sometimes. And I think you've got to realize Pulisic is a classy player. He's still just 23. He's had some very, very big moments for us, qualifying us for the Champions League, um, helping seriously on, on multiple occasions to do that near the end of the season. I call him playoff Pulisic. Um, but and also just in, in big games versus big opposition. Uh, there was a stat that this season he had the best uh, goals or assists, just goal involvements per 90 uh, ratio against the top eight Premier League teams. So against the best opposition that we face, he is right up there and, and he's a big game player. So I think he gets a little too much stick. Um, at the same time, it was not his very strongest season, but I think that's where we have to realize that these players are humans. They're not robots. Unfortunately, it's not just a game of FIFA where you make the easy shot, you press the button and it goes in. So many things uh, can, can be factors that go into a player's performance. So obviously as a Chelsea fan for over a decade now, I'm biased and I would love for Pulisic to stay and be able to just 
uh, really cement his his legacy here at the club. I think he could do a really, really good job for us if he just gets some good consistent minutes and finds some good form. But, you know, you, you, you've got to admit sometimes you know, it's not the worst thing. If a player's not entirely feeling it, they don't feel like they're trusted or getting game time. Who knows? I mean, nobody can answer these questions other than Polisic himself and maybe Thomas Tuchel. So I, I'm not going to harbor any resentment either way, regardless of what happens. I think I would love for him to stay. I think he has quality. Um, I think he's, he could be a very big part of, of our team going forward. He's still young and he's got a great appeal too. I mean, I think it's uh, a little bit of a disservice to call him a marketing piece as, as people, people say in order to appeal to Americans, but he does have that pull for a, a big section of fans who I think are now looking to the premier league and looking to Chelsea because of him. Um, I would love to see him, him stay and keep building his, his Chelsea story, but even I cannot really predict that we'll see what happens, but I will be, if he leaves, I will be thanking him for his time and for some great memories. Um, if he stays, I will be wishing him the best because I think he can bring some great stuff to the squad. I agree with you. And I'm not sure if he's reached out to you yet since he's looking for a new social media manager, but unfortunately, no. <laughs> Christian, if you're listening, Alex would be more than happy to do it. Uh, but let's move on, guys. So after the Carabao Cup, it seemed like everything was kind of falling apart in the sense that sanctions came along. Roman put the club up for sale. But on the pitch, there was no issues. We kept winning. We kept getting the results both actually on the men's and the women's side. And it seemed like all the noise around the club was galvanizing the squad on the pitch and, and getting the job done. Jackie, six wins in a row after the Carabao Cup final loss, headed further along in the FA Cup, tough win against Middlesbrough, uh, Champions League qualification to the quarterfinals. It just seemed like Tuchel was able to guide the ship. And I think this is a good point to bring him up because he was the main face of, of Chelsea in, in the media with everything that was going on and all the questions that were directed to him. Eventually, he said, listen, guys, I, I, I don't have the answers for you. But what I can tell you is we'll keep fighting. We'll show up in a bus. We'll show up in a train. Whatever it is, we'll show up and we'll play. And just touch on Tuchel and, and, and the squad on, and during that tough period uh, in terms of just getting the job done. Look, I don't know what more you want me to say. I think you took the words right out of my mouth there. Between what you said there, Rahul, and what Feroz said earlier, I think I do agree that this is a match made in heaven between Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel, right? And while we've gone through this turmoil and he's handled it very well, he's, it's a lot more than a manager should have to put up with, by the way. In this day and age, managers are considered more coaches, but he is probably the, the epitome of what a manager is. He managed not only what the players are going through, but the media, the situation, everything around it. And, and I must say, I think he handled it brilliantly. The way he would answer questions, the way he would push back, the way he would spin their head. And he did it with so much positivity. I think that's the key I take out of it was nothing seemed to get him down. He never seemed to get angry or upset. He just smiled and dealt with the situation. And for that, I don't know what more praise you can heap upon him. And his counterpart on the women's side, Emma Hayes, now, I'm not, not sure if she had to deal with so much of the Roman situation and the sale of the club, but she kept everybody's head down and said, for the ladies team, keep playing, keep doing what you guys do best because we have a title on the horizon. We have an FA Cup on the horizon. Don't let all the noise outside distract us. Let's just keep going in the right direction. So these two, these two managers, I'm not going to use the word coaches, have done an ex excellent job of keeping their teams on track, and I hope they continue to stay with us for a long time going. I hope so too, and 
Uh, Feroz, you touched on it, a match made in heaven. Anything more to add in terms of just during this tough period and not just what was going on with the club, but we've heard and personally in his own life, Tuchel was yeah. going through some issues. Um, anything more to add from your side? No, I think like he, he is one of the best managers in the world. And the fact that he handled that perfectly, you know, he was getting so emotional a lot of times. And of course, he was going through a lot personally to deal with all that, to deal with the like lowest of lows. If you like think about everything, the thing with Lukaku is like, you know, he was just dealing a lot. And the, at the end of the day, light was there at the end of the tunnel we went through it and he did a perfect job and i think a lot of chelsea fans are now really appreciating him and like you know he just like his luck when he when he noticed the banner as well uh, yeah. at the end of the season that was that was just beautiful he knew like this is something special this is a special club he's a special manager um and yeah like like i said he it's just perfect like that's the least thing we need to be like worried about because we are in good hands and Tuchel is backing him and you know I, I would be I'll be really jealous you know if I was a United fan because we actually got the perfect manager and other clubs right now other fans they need to be scared of this club because you know we are we are forced to be reckoned with with him in charge absolutely and I and I think you're right in the sense that I think a few years ago and, I, and this is no hit on sorry but when he came in during that season a lot of people said he doesn't get it he doesn't get Chelsea I think Tuchel gets it and he's gotten it right from the first day when he walked in and, and spoke about Lampard very fondly, spoke about the job he's about to do and never really said, you know, we're going to do all these great things. All he said is we'll be tough to beat. And that's been the case since yeah, the first cool. day. Uh, and coming to the latter half and towards the end of the season, we'll be tough to beat. I mean, we did have some shock defeats against Brentford, Real Madrid <laughs> in that first leg. But I think what shows Tuchel and shows that the characteristic of Tuchel is in the squad is that second leg in Madrid where we went away. Nobody really gave us a chance. And I, I, I think Jackie and Alex were a lot more positive than I did. I, my prediction was, I, I don't even think we get the win here, but they both felt we did. And, and we actually did. And for 70, 80 minutes, Alex, we were absolutely the dominant side. And it literally took a magic pass from Modric to undo uh, some of the good work that we had put in. Let's just relive that that game for a second and, and your thoughts and excitement and emotion. I think you were in class uh, and may be watching on your phone. If Alex's dad is listening, uh, ignore that part. Uh, but let's just get your reaction to that, and then I'll come back to Feroz and Jackie on that Madrid game. Yeah, I, I did have faith going into that because as much as that first leg was painful and it it really stunk watching us shoot ourselves in the foot with with a couple bad errors – I mean, I saw in that game a, a team more than capable of matching Madrid. I saw when we weren't making those dumb mistakes, we were actually creating chance after chance. We were breaking them down. We were dominant in midfield. We were, for the most part, isolating their real danger men in Vinicius and Benzema. Unfortunately, Benzema just transcended to another level this season. And you've got to say respect to him. I think he hit something like, 14 or 15 goals in in four point something expected goals yeah. that just tells you how crazy crazy lethal he was so i i personally went into the second leg thinking we outplayed them in the first leg honestly though the scoreline wouldn't reflect it i i fully thought we could take the win we did end up taking the win 
I don't know. It, it was weird. And, and ultimately, I guess you could say, looking back, I, I suppose I was wrong. But in a way, I feel like I was justified in, in fully believing that we would go through because I saw a team and a manager that believed in it. And I think, too, around that time um, when, when Tuchel was asked by the media and they said, is there any chance of a comeback? And he said he just shut it down. He said, he said no, there's no chance we're coming back. I, I remember some Chelsea fans who I think were thinking about it a little too simply said, oh, this guy doesn't have faith. That's not what you want to say to the players. And I don't think people realize that's clearly not what he was telling the players. I mean, what you're going to tell the journalist, Tuchel is a mastermind with the media. I love how he handles the questions. And he just doesn't give them any sound bites. He doesn't give them anything to create controversy that the journalists love doing with Chelsea because it sells clicks and headlines. And I knew that he had fired up that squad and say, you know what? We outplayed them once. We made some dumb errors. We can do it again. I know the squad might've been feeling we should not have lost that game. We can take this game. And as, as much as it's painful to exit the champions league, I weirdly enough had very positive feelings about, about our exit, just because I saw players playing their heart out, almost, almost overcoming some really big uh, issues. And I, I just, I have no blame to heap on anyone there. I think Tuchel, masterfully uh, came up with great game plans that deserve to go through. I think the players put on immense performances. I mean, Rudiger in that second leg, unreal. And, and the way he was, he was like celebrating every tackle, like it was a goal. It was, it was actually, I mean, it gave me chills watching him defend, which is, I mean, usually you expect the goals to be the exciting part, but I don't know that, that, that for me was the most proud I felt of the team this season, which is odd to say exiting the champions league, but I saw a squad that went out there, fought, left everything on the pitch, fought for each other, fought for their manager and totally deserved to bring it home. I mean, the stat line over two legs looked like a, a FIFA game, a lopsided FIFA game at that point, but that's, that's football. That's how it goes. And Madrid, all it takes is one moment of, of world-class magic to undo all that hard work. So Props to Madrid, but I personally enjoyed that tie very much. Those were thrilling games, regardless of the result. Absolutely. And, and you've covered it beautifully. I think ultimately it came down to destiny and, and they were destined to go ahead and, and win the whole thing, as we've seen. Uh, but Jackie, from just touching on that game, I think with everything going on, with what we had done in the first leg, it was a mountain to climb, but we climbed it pretty fast and, and almost made it to the end. Uh, but what are your thoughts? And I'll, I'll head to Pharaohs after you. Yeah, I think the word Alex chose proud is probably the best way to describe that performance overall because I had faith that we were going to do something miraculous, but the way that we dominated Real Madrid in that particular leg was so impressive that not only was I proud, it then gave me a level of feeling that if this Chelsea team with this manager can do this week in, week out, what a force they can reckon themselves to be in the near future. And so... It always comes back to what I've said is Thomas Tuchel's only had maybe one real transfer window, and that was bringing in Romelu Lukaku. There are going to be some players leaving, obviously, that have been there a long time that have not necessarily built for his style of football. And I'm not calling any single player out, but there are going to be some, some pieces to the puzzle that will leave. And if we back this manager, and from what I'm hearing in the media, that Todd Bowley is going to back him, and he can bring the right pieces to the puzzle in, this could be an interesting season with allowing him to build the team the way he wants to, but nothing but pride on the way that he got that team to perform. And each of those guys look at themselves and say, we lost overall, but what a performance that was. And so 
absolutely exciting. Absolutely exciting. And you know what was getting me excited was the fact that we might get an against all odds part three with that <laughs> with that remarkable game that we had in Madrid. I was like, you know what, Feroz has probably got already started on, on this. It wasn't to be with Feroz. Were you? What were your thoughts watching that game? And I know I'm going back a, a month or two months ago, but just your thoughts and, and yeah. overall feeling from that game. No, like before the game, I think I was one of the most optimistic <laughs> fans because uh, I, I generally was expecting us to come back. I don't when it was when it was three 0 uh, when Alonso made it three 0 or was it four 0 I don't know. But when Alonso scored, I was just going on. I'm like, told you so. I had all these three messages, all these like Real Madrid fans, and then of course we are had other ideas. But Timo was world class as well. You know, he was confident. The way we outperformed the current, tell me, I'm saying this, the current European champions was beautiful. You know, at the at the Bernabeu, everyone dominating. It was uh, it was beautiful, and of course, just like in 2012, and our name was written on the trophy. Real, just it was just a Real yeah. thing, right? Like you just knew with all the crazy comebacks that were you know happened uh, later on, you just knew it was like theirs. And unfortunately, that sort of like was the reason why we couldn't go through. Uh, just a world-class pass from Modric, um, you know, but otherwise, the never-say-die attitude, you know, that was there from, like, John Terry, dropped by the old guard. It was great to see us still have that, you know, because people were like, oh, we're not going to come back, or, oh, it's not the burnabout, no chance, but it gave me Napoli, you know, vibes again. It gave me, like, the camp, like, just the beautiful comebacks, like the Ramirez trip. All those things were flashing back, and I'm just glad we sort of like gave a small idea to everyone around the world as to like what we are about when we have like backing, when we have the right manager. Because there is still some delusional fans who think Chelsea don't play good football, but like Chelsea dominate, right? Like when Chelsea won the Champions League as well, we dominated almost every single opponent. Um, but that was that was a really Really bittersweet game, um, but you know, exciting times ahead for this club. Absolutely, and um, we went on to the FA Cup semi-final. We won that. We made another final, uh, and obviously a few bumpy results along the way in the league that dragged us into a top four race for a little bit. But eventually, we did finish third, like we've said. Uh, coming to the FA Cup final, guys, again another game where I thought we were the better side, and I may be a little biased, but. Having played Liverpool in the Carabao Cup final, again in the FA Cup final, we had the chances. We arguably should have been maybe one or two up uh, even before the end of the 90 minutes. Comes down to penalties again. That wasn't meant to be. Uh, and so we ended the season in the league third. We finished runners-up in the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, quarterfinals of the Champions League. Feroz, how would you rate this in terms of a season? We won the Club World Cup, like I said, in the Super Cup. So two trophies, two runners-up third in the Premier League and quarterfinals of the Champions League, what would you rate it out of five? Out of five? I will give it a 3.5. or A 3.8, actually. 3.8. Okay. Just considering everything, right? Considering right. the overall thing, what the club was going through, the Lukaku interview, the injuries, Chilwell and James, right? Like, just to sort of go back on that topic, it's it's like Alonso is a much better player than Emerson, but Emerson was like the ideal replacement for Chilwell. And same thing, a right back. Once Reese gets injured, a right wing back, we don't have 
a like for like like other clubs do. And those two important players and then Kante out. It's just like overall, I would give it like a 3.7 with the sanctions and everything because we went through a lot and us winning two trophies, uh, two European trophies. Sure, people will say, but I'm not going to keep milking that forever. Um, and just fine margins, right? As Gary Neville said uh, on the overlap, fine margins. It's like a couple of penalties away and we would have ended up with four trophies, right? And that crazy Real Madrid game. So overall, I think we we did a decent job. And if it wasn't for the injuries, I think we would have maybe like, you know, gone the last day for the title as well. I, I agree with you. And I, I think, like you said, I think you got to consider everything else that was going on. And uh, it wasn't a bad season now that you sit back and reflect on it. Alex, yours, your rating? Yeah, I think I, I definitely agree with Faroz there. I, I'd also maybe give it a mid to high three, call it 3.5, 3.6. I think it was... Uh, I mean, maybe by Chelsea standards, because we've set them so high in this, in the, I suppose, now finished Roman era, maybe a quieter season in terms of, well, okay, we, we lost two finals. We got kicked out of the Champions League. But I thought, again, considering those external factors, considering the competition we were playing, I mean, in all these things, we were, we were knocked out by, by world-class teams. I mean, Madrid then go on to win the Champions League. Liverpool, who according to Jurgen Klopp, forget what everyone else says, they're the best club in the world. Um, Liverpool, obviously, though, though bias aside, are a very strong team. The, the fine margins point, I totally agree with, and I think that's, that's a key thing. Faroz mentioned that I think too few fans, at least uh, social media fans, appreciate is that it's really just the smallest margins in this game. Um, and that, that works on a player level where a player might get slandered for missing a chance But if the ball had bounced slightly better and managed to sneak in, they'd be getting praised as a brilliant finisher and, and saving our season. I think people need to step back a little bit and say, you know what, the, the, players, the players put in a shift. The players put in a shift. We had some inconsistency, some tough injuries, but when they were available, our players went out and they, they tried their best. They put on some great performances, some less than great performances, But ultimately, I mean, just looking at, at, at our, our results this season, third in the Premier League, runners-up in the FA Cup, runners-up in the League Cup, Champions League quarterfinals knocked out by the winners, and then winning two European trophies, as we've mentioned. There are clubs that would kill to have this. I mean, this would be their peak season of a lifetime. So I think maybe we have to step a little away from our, our Chelsea standards and say, you know, this was, this was not by any means a disaster of a season disappointing exits certainly could have been that much better but I really just have the feeling of excitement saying you know what look what Thomas Tuchel is doing look at these players we've got some real quality in some positions here I'm excited for next season and I think we can come back strong and and have an even better one hopefully absolutely Jackie your rating solid four for me guys and I'll tell you why this is giving me I'll pick a picture from Feroz's book it's giving me the old guard vibes where We were going to the late, late stages of all the tournaments. We are up there, other than the Premier League, which I think that's where we need to make the most improvement. But two penalty kicks away from winning the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup. The Champions League could have been a completely different story if Luka Modric didn't have a golden boot on for some reason. But honestly, making it to the late stages of all of these massive tournaments, adding two winners' trophies and cups that we chased for several years as well, It's a solid performance for me, other than the Premier League, where 
recapping the injuries, recapping COVID, recapping the the Lukaku saga, recapping you know the war and trying to sell the club. I think this could have been something completely different. So for me, very very solid performance overall from a four. Next year, if we're challenging for the Premier League and getting another cup or two, we're getting into that five range, guys. It's been a wonderful season so far. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with all of you, and and I would be between a three and a half and a four. Uh, I'm gonna come around just for a final question about the season goal of the season and i'm gonna throw out a few i may miss a few you guys can you can chime in with a few uh but i think back to earlier this season that Kovacic goal against liverpool um that rudiger goal against brentford um trying to think of a few more here sam kerr's goals well you can throw those in too um what would you vote and now jackie i'll, I'll stick with you like, so that Feroz and alex have some time to think about it uh, what would you say is your goal of the season? It could be any any goal, not just the ones I've brought up, but any one that may have stuck with you and you might have said, wow, that, that really changed the game or that brought us into the game or that was just a, an outrageous goal that you didn't expect. Yeah, look, there were so many and obviously the Kovacic one was incredible, but one that sticks out to me, and this is because this man's got a lot of slack uh, for the whole season, which is, is Kai Havertz's last-minute winner against Newcastle. Not necessarily because of the goal, but when that ball came from the air and he took it down so sweetly, that is what people say we paid for Kai Havertz, is that moment of magic. And so that was one where you were kind of sleeping for the entire game, hoping nothing was going to, I mean, thinking nothing was going to happen, and he just pulled it out with a magical touch. And so for me, that sticks out as a goal of the season. But look, there were so many, and I don't disrespect anybody else's goals. No, that, that that's a very good shot, and I think, too often you forget that 1-0 win because, you know what, it's yeah. just 1-0 to Newcastle. But on another day, they could have won the game. We could have lost the game. And it was right around the time where all the sanctions and everything were coming into place. So yep. beautiful ball from Jorginho, which I'd yeah. love to see more often. Uh, but it, definitely a good goal. Alex, maybe a Pulisic goal in here? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be too biased. I'd say the first thing that came to mind was uh, that Chalaba goal at the beginning of the season, because I think that just set us off on a very bright start um, until we had a, a accumulation of misfortune hitting us that set us off on a good foot. Um, and I think was kind of symbolic as, first of all, a really nice moment uh, for the kid just coming up and, and right at the at the outset of his Chelsea career, making a huge statement. Um beautiful goal i know he claps down he was emotional after and and saying that was for his mom i thought it was a great moment um to let my bias speak a little i was absolutely thrilled by that polisic equalizer against liverpool i mean it, it, it was well taken i won't say it was like a, a wonder strike but i thought the circumstances of that were exciting because first of all it was the equalizer that allowed us to go unbeaten against liverpool this whole season um I mean, they they obviously had had it over us in the finals, but I I believe I'm I'm right on that. I don't think we lost to them at, at any point. Um, and that that really for me was was exciting because I just saw how much it meant to the players, and it was a crazy kind of a crazy kind of feeling that like this squad really does believe they've got quality. That really switched the momentum of the game. And at that point, we then started dominating yet another game against Liverpool. We probably should have come away with the victory or at least could have. Um, but I just really liked the reaction to that. The players were all running. The crowd was getting hyped. Um, Stamford Bridge just totally erupted at that point. Um, and it was it was a very 
I mean, it's, it's an incomparable feeling when, when you have the momentum in a game. And I think that's just a, the kind of feeling that it gave me. So I like that. I thought that was a nice, a nice equalizer that unfortunately couldn't quite lead to a win, but uh, shout out to that one just to stay clear to my bias. That's, I think the Chalaba one and, and that Pulisic one are good shouts. Feroz, you get the final word on, on goal of the season. Uh, what's yours and, and maybe one that we haven't, we haven't re- really even thought of? Who uh, who was the one who uh, – it's weird how you're asking for the best uh, goal, but I don't even remember the person. But I think it was either Adoy or Ruben against Juventus. The the last goal, you guys – Alum scored one. one with like – yeah, yeah, yeah. That one with like, like four or five passes. That was really beautiful. But I think Kovac's technique was just insane. It was sublime. To get that, um, that much power, the accuracy – it was incredible. I, I you got to give it to Kovacic because he he doesn't unfortunately score too many. So you know, I uh, got to give it to got to give it to him. Yeah, that that was definitely. Again, it was one of the ones where we were two 0 down. We're not sure how we were coming back into yeah. this game, and he just some out of nothing pulls it back, and then we, like Alex said, we scored that Pulisic equalizer. Which honestly, we should have won that game. We had all the momentum. We were at home. Money maybe should have been sent off, but. We'll, we'll leave the, the Liverpool discussion for another day. Uh, for me, I'll throw this one out. Ziyech against Tottenham at home. Another one that was oh, yeah. that was a, a good one that I'd love That's to good. see Ziyech do that more often. I mean, that, that foot he's got, the left foot, is, is just beautiful. And, and hopefully we can see more of him uh, next season. But yeah. it's, been a, it's been a long season. It's been a tough season. It's been a good season. It's been a bad season in certain aspects. But it's been a season where... We've been lucky enough to watch our team. We've been lucky enough to support them and see them win trophies. I know Feroz was out there and he got to see it personally. But for us, we get a chance to see them here over the summer in the U.S. for preseason. Uh, going into next season, not asking for predictions, but I'm just asking for what would you say would count as a successful season for Rose? Maybe getting second in the Premier League. I mean, we were fourth under Tuchel the first season, third this season. Progress would be second, maybe first, uh, and going further on in, in the Champions League. Well, I think it'd be it'd be nice to go for the title. You know, knock on wood, we have like no injuries to important players. But getting like, I think it would be nice if we have one person scoring a lot of goals as well, because that's that's something we need. You know, we haven't had that deadly striker like you know Costa, but it's important for us to have like, you know, someone who gets great numbers and going far in cup competitions, but I really, really, really want to go for the league. You know, if we go on to like the last week or two, finish second, I wouldn't mind, but you know, I miss, I miss winning the Premier League. We, we do too. And it's been five years. If we don't win it next time, it'll be six. Yeah. And in the most recent times, that would be a, the longest we've gone without a, a Premier League. So Hopefully we kick off the, the Bowley era like we did with the Roman era by winning uh, the Premier League pretty early in it. Alex, your thoughts on next season and, and what does improvement look like and what would you personally like to see us maybe win or challenge for? Yeah, obviously the Premier League would be fantastic. I'd love to see us be able to keep up at least towards the end. Um, I, I'd say maybe for me, success would be, I don't know exactly how the table fell out at the end of this year, but I would say within maybe how many points behind man city were we 
19 uh, like points. Yeah. 19. I would say within 10 points of the Premier League winner, if not winning it ourselves, would be would be a good way to show that we stayed in the race right towards the end. Um, giving maybe some time for some of these new signings to settle. But I'd love to challenge for the title. Personally, for me, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we've lost three consecutive FA Cup finals at this point. Yeah. That, for me, is the trophy I want the most because it hurts me that we're, we're letting teams mm. that – we should be, we should be beating in these finals. It hurts me that we're letting them stat pad with, admittedly, what is a, a very historic and 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 nice trophy. I think um, the League Cup, obviously, a little less prestige. Um, that 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 is what it is. I really want to bring home the FA Cup next season. We've been so close yet so far, three straight times now. I think I think it's got to be time to to bring that trophy back where it belongs because I want to see some silverware here. I think. We talked about those fine margins. Tuchel has gotten, first of all, had a really, when you consider it uh, holistically, he's had a very successful start to life at Chelsea. And yet, with a few marginal, sometimes very controversial calls or goals going our way, he could have three or four more trophies than he does now, which is insane to think about because he's been nothing but great for us and yet could have four massive trophies in the cabinet that that we've uh, at, at least that we've missed out on just by the finest margin. So for me, I want to bring home the FA Cup and obviously a little improvement in other competitions would be great, but j- just get me that FA Cup, please. Yeah, we've been doing a little bit of charity in the FA Cup and keeping a certain manager in North London in his job by, by letting us win, letting letting them win in 2020. A service to the league. That, that was <laughs> uh, Jackie, what is same question for you? What does improvement look like? And and finally, is the FA Cup coming back to the bridge? Yeah, look, I'll echo what the lads have said. I think we need to put the FA Cup losses away and pinch it. It's been a while since we brought it home, but the Premier League is the biggest improvement. Like I said earlier in the segment. You know, 19 points behind City, 18 points behind Liverpool. We're, we're too far off the mark. We need to go back to the days where even if we finish third, fourth, but we're within touching distance of these guys going to the last week or two where we're in, in it and towards the end of it, I think that is the most important thing. If you lose the Premier League on the last day because somebody else had one or two more points than you, lovely season. But we're 20 points back realistically, and it's just not good enough. And so most focused there. And so like I say, Back Tuchel, let him find the missing puzzle pieces so he can do what he needs to do and go on that consistent run now. Yep, and and I agree with you. And just the final question I have before we close it out is, you said give him the right pieces. For you, what's the dream signing this summer? Yeah, look, I think you're going to have to find a good backup right wing back or left wing back or possibly a player that could do both of those and play on either wing. And looking at the injuries and maybe the fitness of N'Golo Kante, we're looking for maybe another midfielder. Now, the other, the other thing you want to talk about is potentially a striker. But if Lukaku is willing and up for the task, I don't think we have to replace that position. So you're not going to give me a name, maybe a Declan Rice? not going to give you any names today. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, Alex, your dream signing and maybe a name for me? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a dream signing. I honestly would be thrilled to have Dembele come to Chelsea. I think he's, I mean, I, I got, I got called crazy by a couple of people for saying I'd prefer him over Mane at this point, but he's not premier league proven. Sure. But five years younger free transfer is, is great for the books. He may want some wages. Sure. But I think his, 
natural talent is extremely impressive. He's got a link with Tuchel in the past already from Dortmund. I could see him being a very low risk, high reward gamble that I think could be, I just think it's a bit of a no brainer of a pickup for Chelsea when you have, we've been having some attacking struggles. I know people might want to go out and say, no, we need a clinical proven consistent. We, we don't want someone with an injury record for me. You know what? I, I maybe I I've, I can tolerate risk a little better than others. Bring Dembele, let him cook, see what Tuchel can do with him. Because if tu- if Tuchel wants the guy, absolutely bring him. And I think regardless, that's just a good piece of business um, to bring someone who we know has impressive talent and was really starting to shine a little bit under under Xavi. Uh, I think I think bringing him to the bridge would be a great addition. Maybe not the thing we need the very most. Um, but I would be I would be disappointed if we let that opportunity pass this summer. Yeah, and, and that's fair. I think, like you said, on the free transfer, that's definitely something that we should be looking at because it opens up the funds and the transfer budget for maybe a, a signing that would fit into the midfield or or be a backup or the attack. Uh, Thoreau's finally again your final word on on the dream signing. Who's it? And maybe you'll give me a name too. Are you asking me who I think we're going to sign, or are you asking me who I want? Who you want. I, I, we may end up okay, signing I someone mean, I, like Drinkwater again, but that's not what I Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. No, no, no. I, I mean, obviously, I'm going to be the most biased person because I've loved this person since 2009. Neymar would be my dream signing, but realistically, um, you know, a lot of people are, like, rubbishing it. I think it can be possible because of his history with Tuchel. Thiago, uh, not a lot of people know this. He's the one who sort of like was convincing Thiago Silva to go to Chelsea. You know, um, he's had history with Chelsea. He almost signed for Chelsea three times in the whole press conference back in 2011 and 10. If it wasn't for Pele, he would have probably been a Chelsea player. He gets a lot of injuries, but he's a global superstar. And who knows? Obviously, it's super risky because as much as I love the guy, injury prone. His attitude is not the greatest. Um, so that would be my dream signing. However, I think realistically, a Rice would be good. Uh, Dembele, I would be surprised if he's not a Chelsea player. Um, and Kunde, because we need to replace, you know, one of the best defenders in the world in Rudiger and maybe Askew leaving and then Marcus. The lot, there are going to be a lot of outs, right? Okay. It's going to be a one crazy summer now because of the rumored 200 million a budget that we're going to get, but the fact that I think six, seven players are going to leave the club. Yeah. No, I, I, there's definitely going to be a lot of incomings and outgoings, uh, but Neymar yeah. certainly, I think, would, would get a lot of people out of their seats in, in just the, the sense that the name and, and the talent that comes with yeah. them. And, and with, the, with what we've seen with PSG players coming to Chelsea, manager may not be a bad fit and maybe something that he wants to prove to the world that he can do it in the best league and, and, Maybe he will. So uh, I think that's a good way to end this episode. Uh, Jackie, Alex, any parting thoughts before we wrap it up? I mean, look, you guys had, have had a great conversation. I would like to thank Feroz for coming on here. Like I said, when I opened the segment, it's been watching your social media and looking at the videos you've created for years. And so it's like a little bit of stardom over here, but that's just good to see. And it's been a great conversation. with you. Thank you for coming on. No, I appreciate you guys having me. You guys have been amazing. You know, this podcast is really cool. Um, hopefully, next time I come on, we can talk about all the trophies we won, <laughs> and how how many goals Dembele and Neymar have scored. And <laughs> who knows? Maybe, maybe Lukaku being the Golden Boot winner. Who knows? There you right? go. 
Yeah, I, I remember Lukaku Golden Boot was my preseason prediction. That didn't quite pan out, but uh, <laughs> same, same. Yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah, uh, that's it's unfortunate, but I, I, I'm with you on the Neymar front. I think that's the kind of player you just don't turn down. That's just, mm-hmm. I would, I would, he could be on crutches, and I would, I would throw him in our squad. I don't care. Um, I think, yeah, he, he's, he would be, a, he would be quite an exciting signing. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much for coming on. I think hopefully next season improves in all all the ways we've we've described. But uh, I'm I'm just happy we had another exciting, eventful, maybe sometimes too eventful. Um, but that's Chelsea. It's uh, to to appropriate the quote, just one normal day of of Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> that's all I asked for. But yeah, I think it's it's been good. It's been fun, and it's been great talking with you guys, and now talking with Feroz about this. And and hopefully we're back strong next season. Absolutely. And Feroz, once again, thank you very much for joining. You're welcome back at any point, and hopefully maybe we'll run into you uh, over the preseason tour here in the U.S. and uh, we can get to chat again and maybe do a, a live episode. Uh, but until then, stay safe and up the Chelsea, guys. It's been a long season. It's been a fun season, but we've made it to the end of it. And now we look forward to the summer transfers, Neymar, Dembele, Rice, Kunde, Kulubali, all the names that are coming up, Lewandowski. We may have a squad that we don't even have to do anything. We just sit back and relax and enjoy and watch the goals pour in. Uh, but it's going to be fun. And it's going to be a, a summer where we'll be covering everything and we'll be on uh, pretty, pretty much every week. Uh, so do tune in. But that wraps it up. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. And drop Feroz a, a follow to at Feroz17 if you don't already. Uh, and send us your feedback. But we will be back with a new episode. But until then, stay safe and up the Chels. Hey, guys. The Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home. So you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.